Welcome to episode 136 of the Various and Sundry podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the Vault Studio, beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary, by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who remains committed to growing the best grass in Columbia City, John Scott Sloat. I mowed just before the thunderstorm yet, before the big downpour yesterday afternoon. Yes. I, I'm not surprised by this. I, I mean, I got through minutes before it started coming down. So were you using your crappy weather app to uh, to monitor the weather situation? No, 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 no. I almost didn't mow. And then Andrew went, ah, it looks like you have like 45 minutes to an hour. I bet you could get through it. And so I went out there and I just zipped around real quick, got it all done, walked in the garage started pouring. Yeah. How long does it take you to mow your yard? Uh, just just like a straight mow? Yeah. Prob- probably 50 minutes. So okay. not not long. If I'm going to edge and I'm going to trim, that takes a little bit longer. But but just a straight mow, 45, 50 minutes. Gotcha. Not, not long. Okay. 0.23 acres over there. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So uh, we should probably mention uh, we do have some new listeners. Like we're, we're gaining new listeners. Oh, we do. Gradually, I think, steadily. I, we've got listeners in India, for example. Did you know this? Did you look uh, at the stats? I did see that on the on the stats. Yeah. yeah. Spain. Bangladesh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, as well as the good old US of A. Mm-hmm. So this has been a, a bit of a recurring bit. Uh, John's uh, semi-religious commitment to growing grass on his property since your house was a new con- new construction. That's right. And so they kind of just left you with nothing. Yeah, yeah. I mean kind of like a wasteland of clay <laughs> right. um, is, is what it was. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's been a struggle. Yes. It's been but, a fight. But you it, are it, it looks pretty good. You're fighting the good yeah. fight. Yeah. 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 Have you? When was the last time you saw the grass? When was the last time we had you out to the house? Was it when we drove to Cincinnati? <laughs> it might have been last summer. Man, we need to have you guys over here soon. Yeah, you got to smoke yeah. us some meats, mm. um, or just meat singular would be fine. Not meats plural. I'm not implying you need to do multiple meats. How many meats do you want? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, if you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can find us on Twitter at VNS Pod. Email the show various and sundry podcast at gmail.com. We are on Facebook and we are on YouTube. And uh, last week, we did mention the advent of commercials and much to our horror. Commercials never came. There were none. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, we're still working on that. Uh, But what we have decided is that we'll take uh, a a little bit less obvious of an approach to it that will still allow for commercials to be inserted without it being awkward if they're not. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we're, we're going to implement that. We're still learning on the fly here. Um, really, we need to get to like – if we can make $100 <laughs> this year, <laughs> I think it would cover the cost of our podcast. Yeah. Yeah, that would be nice. That would be nice. We can dream. We can dream. Uh, all right. Uh, let's talk sports. John, what is going on in the world of sports? I think we're to NFL – are we at NFL training camps now? I think We're so. getting close if we're not so. there. So Yeah. Yeah, NFL training camps are are happening, and I see that uh, um, Zach Wilson is fully embracing the Joe Namath model of New York quarterbacking, minus the pantyhose. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. That's a reference that most of our listeners are not going to get, but it's okay. 
Uh, yeah. And <laughs> if you got that reference, please reach out to us at various and sundry podcasts at gmail.com. There you but, go. Um, there you go. Yeah, minus the pantyhose. And, and hopefully minus the uh, drunken, slurred, coming on to a sideline reporter aspect of Joe Namath's career. Well, that, that's looking 30 years into <laughs> Zach Wilson's future. If 30? 30? I, I think it might be sooner than that. But anyway. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Um <laughs> Yes, hopefully he doesn't come on to sideline reporter, reporters. I mean, he's out there taking shots at Joe Flacco's wife. Really? I didn't see that. I didn't see that. Okay. No, I thought you were referencing something else from a few weeks ago. Well, yeah, I mean. That, not pot appropriate. That is not pot appropriate, yeah. but uh, yeah. Um, he's getting lippy, that uh, Zach Wilson. Yeah, yeah, remarkable for a guy who has not accomplished anything in the league yet. So. And is Mormon, you know? Theoretically. The, yeah. <laughs> Went to BYU. How much more Mormon can you get? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm sure not every student who goes there is Mormon. What? <laughs> I know. Surprising. Um, uh, other NFL news. Uh, so the news of the suspension of Deshaun Watson dropped Right before I think we – Did we mention it last week? We I think did we mention did. it last week. But we thought that was light, right? Yes. But the NFL is appealing that decision. So basically – Who does the NFL appeal to? Well, I, I this is what's weird to me. Apparently, they had some like – They arbiter? had a judge yeah. that served as an arbiter and made that decision of six games. And so, of course, people are outraged. Most people thinking that's not severe enough. Yeah. But my understanding is that then the appeal is to the NFL. Like basically so the like – The NFL is appealing to itself? Uh, yeah. That's oh, my – gosh. And so either Roger Goodell or his – he could designate someone to, to make the decision. What a disaster. But yeah, it's it's a mess. I love the NFL. Like I think the Hall of Fame game happened this last week. It and did, it had yeah. similar viewership to an NBA finals game. Yeah, the, the the appetite for for professional football is off the charts. It's it's incredible. Um, yeah. However, yeah, this aspect of the NFL, they don't not great, not no. great, Bob. No, I mean I think um, look, I I I don't want to do a deep dive on this, but like, I, it's hard to understand the rationale of the arbiter in the six games unless. Unless – here's the only spin I can put on it that I think makes sense, that this is a judge who's thinking in terms of court of law, what stands up, what doesn't stand mm-hmm. up under scrutiny. Yes, you've got this string of allegations, but you know she's thinking evidence and what can be proved and what can't and all of that. Plus, he basically sat a year already, yeah, right? Yeah, that's true. I mean the, yeah. the, the Texans essentially – Benched him and said, "You're not playing for last year." Yeah, and then they trade him in the off season. So there is a sense, and again, I'm not defending anything here, but I'm just trying to get behind the, the logic behind how do you get the six games. I wonder if part of it is well, he sat out for a whole year already. Yeah, based on this, so even six games makes it a year and a half suspension essentially, which that feels like it might be closer to the ballpark of. Maybe that's about right. Yeah. Yeah. Year and a half. Yeah. That's getting there. Yeah. So I, I don't know. But the NFL has a terrible track record on these kind of things. They so. do. I mean, remember the Ray Rice situation? Yeah. What a disaster that yeah. was. Yeah. It's a mess. Yeah. They're no, they're no good at this. No. 
which is surprising given how successful they are in terms of the on the field product and the business and the marketing and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. This is just one area where it's like you can't get competent people involved to get this figured out. Yeah. It's surprising. Or bring your PR people in there, right? A, a good – the NFL, I imagine, has good PR people. You would think. And come to your PR person before this goes public and go, hey, I'm thinking about this and let them say – that's a horrible idea. Here's how people are going to respond to that. Yeah. There's, there's got to be people out there that do that. Well, I seem to remember reading or hearing that uh, the NFL doesn't want – I think week 12 or week 13, Cleveland plays at Houston. They play the Texans. And so I think part of the theory with this person was saying – the last thing the NFL wants is to see Deshaun Watson in a Browns uniform on the field in Houston. Like that just is a a mess of a PR nightmare. Or really good ratings. <laughs> that, I mean that, that's kind of the other side, right? Yeah. I mean like the, he's going to get eyeballs in that game for sure. Sure. That's a primetime game. Not not really, but but it could be. Like that's – I don't know. The, the Texans are terrible. The Texans are bad, but Deshaun Watson coming back? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, let's talk about something that's not terrible, and that's your New York Mets. Yes. Oh, it's been a good, good week. Okay, so I knew they had a big uh, series this weekend, like a five-game series with the Braves, right? Five-game series, yeah. And how did they do? So they came into the five-game series, I believe, up three-and-a-half games, maybe two-and-a-half games on the Braves. They won four of five. Okay. Including both in a doubleheader on Saturday, both ends of a doubleheader. All right. Uh. And then they won on Sunday yesterday uh, with DeGrom on the mound and didn't give up a hit through five innings. Okay. Was, so, was that his second second outing back? Second outing back. Yeah. So we are now six and a half games up, and we have three games against the Cincinnati Reds. Which you would think you're – Two or three. Mean, two or three is almost a certainty there, you would think. You would expect. You would, I would expect it. Yep. Yeah. Um, but did you know the Braves came out and like may, maybe – Two or three days before the series started, in a post-game interview with Austin Riley, the third baseman, they said, did you hear the Mets lost tonight? He goes, oh, well, good. Let them know we're coming for them. And they came to town and they lost four of five. Yeah. Um, it, was a, it was a good <laughs> – it was a good feeling. There's a lot of trash talk on Twitter. Yeah. Um, a lot of trash talk. Well, that might be some of the best content on Twitter, quite frankly. Yeah, that might be, that might be some of the most wholesome content on Twitter at yes. times. Yeah. Yes. Um, there's a sort of a running joke in our, in our household of um, saying something like, OK, I'm going to check what I'm supposed to be outraged by. Let me look at Twitter. Yeah, I like, saw uh, Thomas Kidd. Yes, you know, I, liked, I liked that tweet. Yeah, yeah he like, tweeted this morning like, well, I'm coming on here to see what I'm – should be outraged by and why it's evangelicals false. White evangelicals. <laughs> yes, 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 indeed. So anyway, uh, football season is on the horizon. Uh, college football is uh, – There, I think there's some games on August 27th, but the real start of the season is the first weekend. Of they September. kind of have that, that false front yeah. to them with some – what is it, Mac that, that plays some uh, games or like – And sometimes they're like in like Japan or some like exotic location where the teams travel hmm. and play. Uh, so, Interesting. but uh, the big game, obviously, that uh, I'm looking towards is the Ohio State Notre Dame game, which is September 3rd. Where is it in? It's in Columbus. Okay, and then next year they'll they'll, they'll go to and they'll go to South Bend. Okay, 
Will you go when it's when it's in South Bend? Um, that's a pricey ticket, I imagine. You 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 know my financial status, John. Do you really think I could afford to you got get that tickets? book that that book money? <laughs> that sweet sweet book money. Yeah, I, I think you're misinformed on how much money I make <laughs> off my books. So, in any case, um, yes, uh, man, I'm looking forward to football season. It's, yeah, uh, I'm getting that itch. So. Ready for it to start? It, well, it's a little cooler here this week. Yep. I think it's supposed to be high of 75 tomorrow. I mean, that's... Getting closer to football weather. That's getting there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, classes starting up here soon at Grace. Yeah. Coming up. So it's all starting. My wife went back to work today as a teacher. She had an in-service day. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. When does school start? Thursday for her? Wednesday? Thursday's the first day. Thursday's the first day? Wow. Yep. Crazy. Summer's gone. Wow. You know how I knew you know how I know I have a new job is somebody asked me to go to lunch. I went to lunch with them and they hand me Lakeland where your wife teaches yeah. fundraising capital campaign material. Oh really? Yes. <laughs> I was like, why are you handing me this? <laughs> but why were they? I I think they I think a similar situation where they thought I made more than I do. Okay. You know. Thinking that but, perhaps you'd like to contribute to the Yeah. I think yeah. they're doing two capital campaigns. Really? Or they're doing a two stage one maybe. Well, I think all there's a quiet phase where you go to your big donors yeah. and you ask for a lot of and I You should feel honored. Which that is means, I'm going like why are they coming <laughs> you to me? Must be one of the big donors. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. Yeah, so in any case, um, are we ready to move on? Sure. All right. So we are doing today for our main topic, we're talking about the causes of deconstruction. Hmm. So we, uh, you know, I, we've talked about deconstruct people deconstructing their faith before. Early, it was one yes. of one of the first ten. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think that was prompted by what were the? It's the the two guys that used to be on staff with Crusade, yeah, and they have like this big like YouTube following, podcast following, yeah. Uh, uh, Rhett is that one? Of Rhett them? and Link. Rhett and Link. There yep. you go. Okay. And their deconstruction. We listened to two podcasts that were just way too long. Yeah, each of those episodes was like ninety minutes. Ninety minutes. Yeah. Oh my but goodness. Anyway. So, uh, but this is I, this is not one of those topics that's going away. Mm-hmm. So I think it's good for us to revisit this occasionally. And uh, we came across a uh, an article uh, from the Gospel Coalition uh, that is entitled "What Was I Think it's Just Four Causes of Deconstructionism?" If I remember right, um, four causes of deconstruction. Yeah, there you go. Um, so yeah. Uh, when it comes to this whole topic, though, John, what do you think? Um, this isn't. Dir- I mean, this is related to the issue, but it's not directly in the article. But um, is there a place for the positive use of that term? Because there's been some discussion within evangelical circles of, you know, is there a form of deconstruction that is actually good and right and helpful, or should we avoid that term altogether? Um, what do you think? I mean, I'm probably one where it probably depends on how it's defined. Okay. You know, how, how do we talk about it? Uh, I don't know. I, I think the term deconstruction may be, may be a lost cause at this point to, to try to mm-hmm. reclaim a little bit. But 
I think being critical and thinking through not just uh, not just puffing up our view of Christianity, but also thinking critically about it, like where doesn't this make sense? Yeah, and and seeing where uh, not the weak points are, but seeing where our understanding of it is a weak point, and and how that can be shaped and changed. I, th- I think if we're looking at deconstruction that way, I think it's helpful. I think oftentimes deconstruction is used as an apparatus for just destruction of everything in mm-hmm. Christianity. So yeah, so yeah, that'd be my take. I think the word is probably. I'm a little skeptical of the use of the word. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think. I don't think that, uh, given its larger associations, that we should really use it in any sort of positive sense. Um, I do think we can talk about reevaluating mm-hmm. or reflecting on uh, certain aspects um, of the Christian faith and how we understood them properly and are we applying them well and those sorts of things. But um, yeah, I, I think uh, that's that's just a whole area that unless you're really going to specifically define it, which no one's really going to listen to that anyway, they're just going to hear you say yeah. you're deconstructing and then that becomes – And honestly, it's a pretty new term. It feels like three or four years ago, this this I don't know that this term was used as, as regularly. It, well, there's been – I think there's been an explosion of it for sure. But part of what makes this term difficult is the fact that it, it has a philosophical foundation that goes back many, many, many years mm. before it became uh, sort of common language within uh, the last five years in terms of deconstructionism. I mean, there's, there are whole philosophical associations with that that actually have what been what fed into this eventual mm. stage where we deconstruct people's faith. So, which is another reason why I think probably Let, not. Let's stay away. Probably from not that. helpful. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, basically, as we're using it. We are thinking about people who are interested in um, taking apart. I think that's probably a, a neutral way. I'm trying to say neutral here. Sure. For people who would say I'm deconstructing my faith. Mm-hmm. What what they're what they're what they think they're doing. What, what they are trying to do, in the most generous sense, is to take it apart and reevaluate it. Yeah. And discard the things that they don't want. And. Um, then decide if they want to pick up any elements left over or just move on entirely yeah. and, and abandon it altogether. So this article holds out four reasons that lead people mm-hmm. to do this. Uh, so let's talk through each of these briefly and then we'll kind of do some takeaways. Uh, first one, uh, church hurt. In other words, people have experience, have some sort of painful experience in connection with the church, being involved in the church. And this can range pretty widely, I think, don't you? Oh, absolutely. I think it could be uh, could be a specific situation where like a pastor or ministry leader has done something to hurt an individual. Mm-hmm. Or it can be somebody in a, uh, in a network that was very well trusted yeah. who uh, later it came out that they were behaving very, very poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, and people who had a lot of trust find that trust now broken. Yeah. So I think I think both are possible. Right. Uh, I think part of what is tricky about this particular one is the range of church hurt mm-hmm. that's talked about in this category. 
there are some examples where you're like, well, that's obvious. Mm-hmm. You know, like if there was abuse or something like that, where you're like, okay, duh, obviously, that's an example of church hurt. That's very unfortunate that that happened. But I've also seen others try to go this angle. And when, when you press them a little bit, well, well, give me an example of what you mean by church. How did a church hurt you? And it ends up being, well, they wouldn't affirm me in my desire to do X, Y, or Z. Yeah. So that's church hurt. I just kept running into roadblocks because yeah. I wanted to do X, Y. Yeah. Right. And that could be uh, sometimes it's connected with sin, but other times it's not. Sometimes it's just why sure. I just really had this vision for I wanted to start this kind of ministry. And the church I was a part of wanted no business with it. Okay, well, that's not church hurt. That's just they didn't want to go get on board with your vision for whatever kind of ministry. Yeah. So I think it can be helpful to distinguish out, you know, so when, when people present with this kind of reason, I think it's helpful to say, let's help me understand wh- what you experienced. Yeah. Or the church didn't put you in leadership. You know, right. I've heard some people describe yeah. it that way, right? Where, oh my goodness, I wanted to be a deacon or an elder and the church wouldn't make me one or I was never approached or yeah. asked. And some, yeah. Okay, I'm 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 not I'm not on board with that being legitimate church or potentially maybe, but not in the same category as like a abuse scandal or right yeah. or, a, or a Ravi or a you know right. Carl Lentz right yeah for sure for sure and and that can be this category can be either direct or indirect right mm-hmm. like you could be the direct person who's been hurt like you are the direct victim of abuse sure or someone that you looked up to and admired as a spiritual leader is exposed for being hypocritical or having massive moral failings that rock your foundations. Those are both under this category of church hurt, but I think helpful to distinguish Mm -hmm. in terms of um, a person's experience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Are you ready to move on to number two here? Sure. What do we got for number two? Uh, Poor teaching. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, the the example he gives right off the bat is choosing between faith and science. Um, I don't always think that's a that's a binary choice uh, yeah. for for people, although sure. it's oftentimes presented that way. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah. Have you run into this one? Poor, poor. Well, yeah. I mean, I think um, teaching. I, here is where. Um, uh, here is where I, I kind of lump um, the whole Driscoll thing, and uh, here here I'm bringing together poor teaching and some church and hurt. Yeah. and and also poor application. Mm-hmm. You know, so y- you can look at some of the things that 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 Driscoll at Mars Hill and that whole ministry uh, perpetrated, and if you just look at their sort of doctrinal statement, you look at it and go, okay, that seems like a pretty standard kind of reformed-ish evangelical church, yep. right? But then you get on the inside of it and see how that's applied and some of the things that they treated as like outworkings of it or entailments of it, mm-hmm. in particularly connected with complementarianism or gender roles and those sorts of things. You can go, yeah, that's not that's not right. Yeah. You know, you've taken something that's true but twisted it and misapplied it and so now it's something bad and awful. Mm-hmm. 
so that's what kind of comes to mind as an example here in terms of – What's funny is he came up in the first category, right? He came up in the uh, the church hurt. Yeah. And again, as we'll, as we'll see, oftentimes these are intertwined reasons. Oh, yeah. You know, you're not going to necessarily get one clean, crisp, it's just this. Yeah. No, typically not. Yeah. There is for, – for, for most causes, there are, there normally is not just one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. So poor teaching can be can be that um, you know just people involved in churches where uh, the truth of the gospel or truth of scripture is distorted or presented in an in, in a way that is out of sync with the rest of scripture or things like that or, or even certain doctrines get so emphasized. That it becomes the entire focus of the ministry. Yeah, those kind of things. So, uh, number three, uh, this one's pretty straightforward: a desire to sin. Yeah, I think this has been a reason for deconstruction for <laughs> years, well before it was called deconstruction. Way before, yeah. Um, yes, I remember hearing uh, uh, Tim Keller speaking about talking to a young woman who had left the faith, and he was interacting with her on a college campus, and. He's talking, you know. She, she's like, "Well, I have all these philosophical problems, and yeah. you know, you know." He's like pressing, pressing on those, you know, getting beating those back to, you know, working, working through those situations. Well, it turns out at the end of the day, she wanted to live with her boyfriend, right? And that's yes. She really just had a desire to sin, right? And um, I found this to be my experience as well. In uh, when I was on staff with crew and doing evangelism on a daily basis with college students. Yeah. Uh, well before deconstructionism was a term that was widely used and known. Where uh, I'd be having a conversation and a student would uh, raise up a bunch of intellectual uh, objections. And so you kind of talk through a little bit and you answer one and you know you answer another. And uh, after a while, sometimes what I would do is is ask – this question, I would say, you seem to have a lot of um, you know, intellectual questions about mm-hmm. Christianity. Um, let me pose a hypothetical. Let's say I was capable. Now, I'm not saying I can, but let's say I was capable of giving you a satisfactory answer to every intellectual objection you can think of. If I were capable of that, would you commit your life to Jesus and follow him? And oftentimes the answer was, I don't think so. Okay, well, why not? Well, I realized that if I did that, I would have to change how I live. Okay, well, now we're at the real reason. Yeah, we're at the we're at the root. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that doesn't mean we dismiss every intellectual. Some people have legitimate intellectual roadblocks that if you can help them get past, that that does help move them closer to committing their life to Jesus. But oftentimes as well, it's a – well, the real issue is really just I know that my life would have to change. I want my autonomy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So Absolutely. desire to sin. What's number four? Uh, street cred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean I know this is my biggest temptation right here. I mean <laughs> if I were to deconstruct, it would definitely be for this reason right here. Yes, yes. Says the man in Warsaw, Indiana. Yes. <laughs> Um, you're looking to get in with Oprah and, for and sure. uh, the Rob Bell crowd for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, you want to explain what, what he means by this reason here? 
I mean, he means to to get acceptance with a with a broader secular audience that's maybe more, um, goodness, maybe more uh, accommodating to a person that would call themselves an exvangelical mm-hmm. or you know something like that. Yeah. Um, and Oprah, you know, is sort of the famous one with with Rob Bell, particularly as he's yeah continued down the weird path that he was already on ten or so years ago. Isn't it fascinating? Like, if you think about the, his trajectory the past twenty years, it's wild. Well, he was like he was like an edgy evangelical mm-hmm. when he first came out, um. And and he just sort of got weirder and weirder, and then he came out with the his, the book about hell. Yeah, um, which, which was what like twelve years ago. I was in seminary, so that was two thousand. That would have been two thousand eleven. Yeah, two thousand ten, so two thousand eleven. Eleven years ago, then. Yeah, like it, like within let's say within a decade, he still was claiming some form of evangelicalism. Just a decade ago. Yeah. And now if you look at what he puts out and what he says, he is like beyond goofy Eastern mysticism. It's not even on my radar, Matt. I don't even see things that he puts well, out I anymore. I don't either. I have to go looking for it just out of curiosity to see what what happened to him. Yeah. I know he was trying to write a TV show for Oprah. Yeah. I don't think that worked out. I don't out. think it did. No. I don't know what he's – I know he's written a marriage book. Yes. Uh, the Zim Zim Zim. Zim Zim. Zim, yeah. Zim. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which if you're looking for something to make you laugh, <laughs> you should go and find on YouTube. They do the – he has this – he did this promotional video for this marriage book. So he's sitting with his wife and they're discussing this concept of Zim Zim and uh, all this kind of stuff. And then someone took that and added at the end of it. The clip from Billy Madison, you're familiar with Billy yeah, Madison, of yeah. course, where the the moderator of this like quiz show kind of thing he's doing says something effect of that may be the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. You know, just like this long rant and added that to the end of that clip. It's yeah. worth looking for. In fact, if we can find it, maybe we'll throw in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was edgy evangelical mm-hmm. and then – and then he had just some things that just annoyed you. Like he would call – he would call his – he would call the Old Testament like – like he would call Psalms like an old Jewish songbook. You know, <laughs> yeah. you just call it the Psalms, man. Yeah. Well, there's literally a thousand years of calling it the Psalms. You can call it the Psalms. You know, there was just like a little annoying things like that. Yeah. Um. And then he he had that book Love Wins where he became out as a universalist. Yes. Or at least some kind of universalist. Yes. Um and he it's just been it's just he's been off my radar ever since for the for the most part. Yeah, I mean I mean when when John Piper tweets farewell Rob Bell, which yeah. you remember that tweet. Oh that my goodness, that's been meme to ton. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's farewell everything. Yeah. 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 The the irony is he got a lot of pushback for that and yet he was clearly vindicated as being correct. Mm -hmm. Like Piper was essentially saying this makes it clear he is he is leaving the faith Mm -hmm. and people some people lost their minds who loved Rob Bell and did his NUMA videos and thought they were amazing. And 
wanted yeah. to defend him and then – I mean I remember watching NUMA videos in Grace's Chapel back in the day. Like they would, they would show them. Um, and I remember, I remember one student in particular who was a big fan, a big, big fan. Yeah. And ref- defended him to the hilt until he read Love Wins. And then he went, well, he's gone off the deep end, which yeah. I give him credit for. Yeah. Kudos you know? to him for, for realizing it. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, so key takeaways from the article, John. I mean, these four um, different reasons are here. Um, what are some things that, as you look at that, or, and just think about de- people deconstructing um, that that you would want to focus on here? Yeah, that there's a mix of motivations for yeah. why this happens. Um, I don't think it's just one thing. You know, monocausal explanations don't usually work. Yeah, um, but. Uh, yeah, that there's just a, a, a smattering of different motivations that push people forward, yeah. even in this. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, something that's not really mentioned in here, though, though I think it's 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 sort of assumed in here, woven in through it here. So this is not a criticism of the article, but um, given the cultural currents of autonomy. Mm-hmm. That we experience, and just the the bombardment of our culture that tells us no one can tell you who you are; you get to define who you are. Mm-hmm. Whether you look inside or look elsewhere, but ultimately, you are the one who determines who you are. And when that's sort of a bedrock cultural um, ethos, when when Scripture comes along and says, "No, God tells you who you are," yeah. And he has the authority to tell you who you are and tell you how you should live. Mm-hmm. That just chafes hard against our cultural sensibilities. Yeah. So I think that's another part of the mix there. Um, but I will say I do think one of the values of an article like this is reminding us that people do have different reasons for deconstructing. And so if we ha- have a one-size-fits-all approach to responding to it, Mm -hmm. it's not going to work. So understanding why they're abandoning the faith is a helpful starting point for trying to pull them back or redirect Mm -hmm. them or help them understand what's going on for sure. Well, and and knowing the reasons but also realizing that every case is unique and uh, you need to be – if people are coming to this genuinely, Mm -hmm. um, it's worth – uh, diving into conversation, it's worth talking about the church hurt that they have, whether we feel like it's <laughs> super real or not so super real. You know, yeah. uh, talking about the teaching that they've sat under, talking about uh, their desire to sin. You know, and, and digging into those things and seeing what the gospels answer to them are. Which this article does as well. Yeah, it talks about those things. Yeah. Uh, in terms of resources, um, this article does point to. A book that uh, the Gospel Coalition published, uh, edited by Ivan Mesa, called "Before You Lose Your Faith." Remember getting copies of this? Yeah, yeah, and, I have a uh, copy of it. I've, I haven't really looked at it in much detail. My wife has read some of the essays in there, not mm-hmm. all of them, but uh, it, it 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 addresses different issues that can lead people to think about deconstructing. Um, so that might be a, a resource. Worth checking out. Anything else on that topic? Are we ready to move on? I think we're ready to move on. Okay, let's move on.
All right. Uh, today in sports history, uh, August 9th. Man, the year is just flying by, isn't it? Yeah. Although it feels like we've been in the 130s forever on our episode number. Today's 136. Feels 136, like, yeah. I mean, I guess it's been six weeks, right? Um, <laughs> but August 9th, uh, 1936, Jesse Owens uh, is part of the American 4x100 relay team that wins gold in world record at the Berlin Olympics, his fourth gold medal. Yeah, I mean, legendary. Ohio athlete, State, right? Ohio State athlete. Yeah. Um, and that was Hitler's it, Olympics. It was Hitler's Olympics. So yeah. That's part of what make it made it so dramatic was the fact you had this black man uh, mm-hmm. triumphing in Hitler's uh, Olympics, running counter to his Aryan nation, sure, you know, ideology. Uh, 1988, uh, Cubs beat the Mets. Oh, I don't like that. Six <laughs> four in their first official night game at Wrigley Field. I put it in there because. You know, night games at Wrigley Field. I mean, when you have your first night game at Wrigley Field in 1980, I do remember that. That's impressive. It was before yeah. your time, obviously. But, you know, the Cubs were always playing home games um, during the day. I was born in April of 88, so it was not <laughs> before my time. Well. It was well during my time by a few months. By a few months. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um you could always – yeah, just the fact that the Cubs always played day games at home. Uh, that was a That was a big deal. Uh, also in 88, the Edmonton Oilers. You ever been to Edmonton? I have not. Okay, me either. Um, actually, I don't know that I've ever been to Canada. Oh, I've been a few times. Have you? I've been to Toronto. I've been in, in parts of Ontario as well. Anyway, they trade Wayne Gretzky. I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, the great one. Yeah. Uh, to the Los Angeles Kings for uh, 15 to $20 million. I assume yeah. American dollars. I, I assume so as well, which, of course, I'd be curious what that is in today's money because, you know, obviously that seems uh, absurdly low by today's standards. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, and to trade your best player for cash, you know, usually I, th- I think of like a eh, this kind of throw in piece, you know. Right. That feels weird. Um, all right. Where are we? 2002, San Francisco Giants outfielder Barry Bonds. <laughs> <laughs> That's the second one I've thrown in there to uh... – uh, It's his <laughs> – I'm going to put quotations around it. Uh, 600th yeah. career home run. Break out the air quotes. Yeah. Quote, unquote, 600th. Well, I should really put an asterisk there, right? Yeah. Um, so that was 2002. Mm-hmm. Man, it feels like that was just yesterday. Uh, 2012, uh, Jamaican sprint superstar – that was a great opening I three words you have there. Uh, Usain Bolt wins the 200 meter at the London Olympics in 19.32, I assume, seconds, seconds yes. to become the first to win the 100 and the 200 in back-to-back Olympics. Yeah. Most dominant track athlete I've ever seen in my lifetime. Just yeah. crazy. I mean, yeah. It, yeah. Um, 2016. American swimmer Michael Phelps, him I know, uh, swims uh, one minute, 53 seconds uh, and 53 seconds and some change uh, to win the 200-meter butterfly gold medal at Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> yes. Beats Japan's – oh, boy. You got uh, it. You got it. Masato Sakai by .04 seconds for his 20th. Olympic gold. 20 
Olympic gold. Yeah, he might be the most dominant uh, Olympian. I think so. I've ever seen. I think so. Yeah. Um. So, do you have a preference out of that list? A lot of, lot of, uh, a lot of baseball and a lot of Olympics. Yeah. Do you have a preference? I mean, I I know which ones you're not going to go with. I know we can eliminate the night game at Wrigley, and the Barry Bonds yep. home run. Yep. So yep. I feel like those are safely eliminated. I mean, I'm okay eliminating Wayne Gretzky as well. Okay. Uh, I am probably between Michael Phelps and Jesse Owens. I think we went Michael Phelps last week, didn't we? Did we do that last week? We did a Michael Phelps one last week, I think. Well, then we better go. I think I, I'm, I'm going to try to do a quick check here to be sure. I don't know that we'll come upon Jesse Owens. Yeah, let's again. do Jesse Owens yeah. here. Let's just go with that. What an what an athlete! Yeah, one thing you liked. Uh, Andrew and I sat down and watched a movie this weekend. The name of that movie was Money Pit. Have you ever heard of this? I have. Have you seen it? Uh, I think a long time ago. Uh, it's a 1986 yeah. movie. Uh, starring uh, Tom, a young Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks uh, who apparently broke in as a comedian. Yes. Uh, which I had no clue. Um, <laughs> I thought he broke in with with uh, Castaway. That's what I thought he Oh, did. no, no, no. He That's the first thing I remember him in. Big. Have you ever yeah, seen the movie I, Big? I've never seen the movie Big. Okay. Uh, but we watched Money Pit, and Andrea tried to get me to watch it when we first bought the house. <laughs> <laughs> a little too close to home. Is uh, that? I said, heck no. <laughs> um, but she finally convinced me to watch it this weekend. And it was mostly enjoyable. Yeah. Mostly who, enjoyable. who was the female lead in that? I'm trying to remember. I can't remember. Okay. Tom Hanks has had an unbelievable career. Yeah, he's he's wild. It's not over either. No, I mean, I mean no. there's talk of him running for elected office. Yeah. Maybe. I think he'd get some votes. He might. Oh, I, he, he would definitely get some votes. He would definitely. I get mean, some on votes. SNL, they they teased that he was going to run for president. And the Rock was going to be his running mate. <laughs> there you go. Him and Dwayne Johnson. Okay. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think the Rock would settle for being number two on a ticket, though? With Tom Hanks, maybe. Okay. All right. How many? I mean, how many movies would the Rock shoot while being vice president? <laughs> It feels like he comes out with a movie like every five weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's, just, there are just these these actors who you just wonder. You clearly can't love it that much that mm-hmm. you're producing this many movies. So it tells me what kind of financial issues do you have? Yeah, that you are cranking out this many movies. Yep. Like Liam Neeson, maybe it's not as much anymore, but he had a stretch where he was just cranking out. Movies. Well, and what's funny about Liam Neeson is he started uh, the first movie I've ever heard of Liam Neeson being in was Schindler's List. Okay, yeah, which is like a really heavy. Have you seen Schindler's yeah, List? I have. It's it's an intense movie. Yeah, I've seen it once, and that's all I want to see it. Um, now you have to watch it to get the Seinfeld episode later, right? Uh, but <laughs> yeah, Schindler's List, and then he just started doing like I remember. I watched that and then like a few weeks later, I watched Liam Neeson where he's like getting attacked by wolves the entire movie. Okay. And this is his whole – the whole movie is him getting hunted by wolves in the wilderness. It's just like, what are you doing, dude? Well, and then he had the the Star Wars prequels. That's right. He was in there. Um, The Taken movies. Which 
now it feels like pretty much everything he does is just some version of some the form of a of the guy he doesn't take in. Yeah, you know. So anyway, um, for me, the one thing I like this week is I read the Happy Rant book. Hmm. So you knew that they were so I, okay. I knew they for had those, a book. those who don't know. The Happy Rant is a podcast that both John and I very much enjoy mm-hmm. uh, and in some ways is at least a partial inspiration for what we do here on sure. Various and Sundry. Uh, and they just came out with a book that um, – it's got like 14 or 15 chapters and they uh, they go back and forth on these different topics. It's a good blend of – it's got their characteristic humor but there's also some good substantive serious stuff in there as well. It, it really – I was skeptical, but the book does a good job of capturing the dynamic of the podcast, mm. which that's tough to do. Like yeah. to go from a from an audio medium like a podcast to putting it on the page in print, he, there's automatically a loss of something there. And when we interviewed Barnabas Piper, he was working on it. He was in the middle of writing it, if you remember. We were talking yeah. to him a little bit about it. Yep. So it, it came out very good. I highly recommend it. Um, I mean, if you don't listen to the podcast, you probably should go listen to their podcast for a while sure. before uh, you do that. But uh, very much enjoyed that. Well, we have talked uh, NFL preseason stuff. We've talked about causes of deconstructionism. We talked about the Mets whooping on the Braves. Let's not <laughs> let's not forget the important. For, forgive things. me for yeah. burying the lead there. Uh, we have talked about Jesse Owens and his dominance at the 1936 Olympics. And we have talked about Tom Hanks' career, early career, Money Pit. Money Pit. And uh, we've talked about the Happy Rant book. So I think by definition, we have covered our various and sundry topics. And so all that's left to say is until next time, the Lord bless you all real good. Later. Later.